0: I mean, I'm definitely learning about just taking control of really how I want my life to be. I spent so many years in corporate America and I loved it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was fortunate at the places that I worked at, but it was always working for somebody else. And I really always had that desire to work for myself. And it just shows me like, my resilience. I mean, being an entrepreneur is not an easy journey, and you don't make a million dollars by the first weekend.
1: Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Are you one of those people who wanted to be a movie star or a singer when you were a kid? That was certainly my big dream, and my guest today also had stars in his eyes when he was growing up. He knew he wanted to be in the entertainment industry, and that is exactly what he's done, but not in the way he might have pictured it when he was a kid. I think many people's childhood dreams end up getting squashed by the practicalities of life or the expectations of the adults in their lives who might encourage them to play it safe or be more realistic. And another possibility is that we just naturally evolve as we get older and we find other dreams we want to fulfill instead of becoming an astronaut or a policeman or a truck driver. My question today is, at your age now, are you still exploring what you want out of life? Or have you resigned yourself to what you're already doing and what you already know you're capable of? There's nothing wrong with that if you're happy with things as they are, but I have to suspect that if you're listening to this podcast or are a regular listener, you are probably feeling an urge for some new adventure or challenge. I mean, that is the purpose of this podcast. I want to put people in front of you who've gotten creative with their lives and are not settling into the same old, same old. And I hope that when you hear these stories, you are encouraged to take a step towards that thing you want to do that you've been holding out on. And that said, I can't wait for you to meet my friend, Adam Rothenberg, today. He is the creator and host of the entertainment website called call me adam and its podcast bearing it all with call me adam for the past 14 years adam has been cooking up the secret sauce to a memorable interview and with over 1500 interviews under his belt he has served this recipe over and over again his interviews have featured olivia newton john Cheetah rivera kathleen turner Mel B. of the Spice Girls, George Takai of Star Trek, and Rue McClanahan, who played Blanche on the Golden Girls. Remember her? Adam's interviews are unique because he's got this talent. He he, he makes his guests feel comfortable and at ease. You're going to see that in this conversation, and that allows them to open up and reveal things that they never talked about in previous interviews. So I met Adam in much the same way I've met many of the other guests I've had on this podcast. We met in Clubhouse and we've gotten to know each other a lot better because we're also in a business mastermind group together. And that group is called Groundwork Brigade. And what I love about this group is, first of all, the other people in the group who for the most part are entrepreneurs who are in midlife like I am many of them had corporate careers and have decided to make the leap to running their own business. And let's face it, there's a lot to learn about running your own business, even if you've had a successful corporate career. So we get to hang out together and ask the questions that we have on any part of our business that's got us hitched up. And on top of that, each month, we cover foundational business topics like simple tech and social media strategies. And I mention this because I'm so excited to tell you that Groundwork Brigade is now an official sponsor of this podcast. If you are thinking about starting a side hustle, or maybe you're already running a new business and feeling a little lost in the weeds or lonely, I'm so excited to be able to share this group with you. I've learned so much from this group, led by Kim White and Carrie Zarb. And truly think that Kim and Carrie can help any entrepreneur with an open mind who's ready to do the work. And if that sounds like you, please email me at latebloomerliving@gmail.com gmail.com for more information. I have an affiliate link for one free month of access to the group that I'd be happy to share with you. There are eight opportunities each month to join in and see what the experience is really like. Now, I do get monetary compensation if you decide to continue it beyond that first month if you decide to join, but there's no cost above and beyond to you. So I'll also have information for you in the show notes for this episode. And that's that. Okay, without further ado, here's Adam Rothenberg. Let's go. Hey, Adam, thank you so much for being with me today.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited to be here with you on your podcast.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm so used to being with you in larger group situations that I'm just kind of so tickled today to have you to myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited to be here one-on-one with you. I mean, you've been such an inspiration to me with Mm. everything that you talk about with with aging and, and aging with confidence. It's like, You've given me a whole different perspective than what I've had for so long.
1: Oh, man. Thank you for saying that. That is awesome. So I'll just let folks know um, that you and I met in a clubhouse community. And I have to say that, you know, at least for I don't know how long it was before I even realized that you were in the zone of midlife because you have always sounded so young to me. And then, you know, as as we've gotten to know each other, I'm like, oh, he's in, he's definitely in the zone, although I might not <laughs> want to admit it. But
0: <laughs> yes, definitely not want to admit it. Although I will say since coming into your orbit and your world, I'm definitely more able to admit it and embrace it a little bit more than I used to. But, you know, I'm always looking to like, try to make sure I'm not as wrinkled. I always tried to do something with my laugh lines. I'm always like, like adjusting my face to like oh. get them a little bit less. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm always playing with my eyes and stuff. But since being in your orbit and in your world, I'm like, you know what? It's been a privilege to get to this age because there's a lot of people that never made it to where I am now in my mid forties at 47. And so if I have a little bit of gray hair here and there, it's OK, because that also shows like I've lived a long time and maybe I've gained some wisdom or yeah. something, you know, you're,
1: you're taking me back to my 40s, Adam, because uh, that was a tough decade for me. And sometimes I wonder if maybe the 40s is hard because for me, I still had this picture of myself as my young self. And all of a sudden what I was seeing in the mirror wasn't matching up with that. Mm-hmm. And also my health, just the way I was feeling, wasn't matching up with it. And then I really started to trash talk myself with, I'm getting old, the old gray Mary, which used to be like silly jokes like that. You know, I remember when I first started getting my gray hairs, you're talking about your, your grays and I... I would pull out the grays, you know, around the front of my, mm-hmm. of my hairline, you know, and it gets to a point you can't keep up with that or you're going to be bald. And, uh, and, you know, that's when I started coloring, I think. And um, since I've stopped coloring, I feel so much freer. So anyway, <laughs> we haven't even talked about who you are and what you do yet. We just dove right into to, <laughs> <laughs> to aging and all that stuff. I did a little more research as we, you know, as this was coming up, as this uh, was coming up, and I got to go see your website and see all of these sizzle reels of interviews that you have done with Broadway stars and people in the entertainment industry. And um, I know how charming you are, but wow, you are so charming in all (laughs) those interviews. You are just fantastic. Um, And I also got to listen to your episode on Linda Bonnie's podcast stories with a Sunday roast, which told a little bit of your story and how you got started doing interviews. And I'd love for you to kind of catch us up in whatever way you want to, to like who Adam is today and what brought you here.
0: Yeah. So I've, always wanted to work in the entertainment business ever since I was a little kid. I just never knew what that looked like outside of being like an actor or a singer, but I never really did anything growing up to actively try to be in the industry. I just kept saying to my parents, I want to be an actor. I want to be a singer. I want to work in you know movies, TV. And then uh, as I grew up, I remember seeing Dolly Parton's movie, Straight Talk, where she was the radio psychologist. And I always credit that movie with really making me want to work in the entertainment industry and specifically in radio. So when I got to college... I did like a little bit of everything in college. I did theater for a year. I had two radio shows for a full year and I was on the programming board where we programmed all the on-campus activities. So through all those variety of things, I really got a different flavor for each aspect of entertainment. Um, I mean, I loved theater. I loved acting. When my parents came to see one of the shows, my dad said to me afterwards, I've never seen you as happy anywhere as I saw you on stage. And that always stayed with me, but for as happy as I was on stage, and believe me, I was, I I only did acting for a year in college because I wanted to do everything. And then I, I got my radio show in college. And the first semester, I had a 50s and 60s show. The second semester, I had a 70s and 80s show. And I got to play, I was able to play any song I wanted to. And I wish I stuck with that a little longer. But I also then got into the campus program board, which was the organization responsible for programming all the on-campus activities. And, you know, when I became co-chair of that, that was sort of one of my first forays into sort of working with famous people because we would book comedy shows. We would book speakers. One of the speakers we booked was Sean Sasser, who was on MTV Real World. I remember going to like pick him up at the... I don't know, I guess the airport, wherever we picked him up from, Um, you know, I got to go there. And I remember we on the way back, we like stopped and had lunch with him and we like got to know him. And it was just like I got to know him on a human level. And then he came and talked to our school about living with HIV and AIDS and being on the show. But my favorite experience during that time was we went to this convention called NACA, which is something like the National Association of Campus Activities, something like that. And at the time, and I don't know if they still do this, but back when I was in school in, in the 90s, they had this convention where they had all different speakers and comedians and singers and bands at a convention center, and you would watch all, the, all of them do their thing. And then you could go to their booths and, you know, book them for your school. The year that, that I went, who do I get to see perform but Wanda Sykes? and wow. this is before the the huge fame that she has now wow and i thought she was the funniest comedian i had ever seen and i really wanted to book her um unfortunately i was i was outnumbered oh, and <laughs> i was so upset <laughs> but we did get to go to her booth and i remember i got to have a a discussion with her and i asked her about you know how she got into comedy and what advice she would have and she said you just got to get out there and do it and i've I always remembered that. And then after college, I was writing a one-man show and the one-man show never went anywhere, but I was volunteering for AIDS Action and all of us were performers and we decided to do an open mic night. So I thought about what Wanda had said during that discussion about you just got to get out there and do it. So I pulled like a few little scenes from my one-man show and I thought about some of the everyday things I love and I put together five minutes of comedy. Wow. And I did it and people laughed and it was fantastic. I loved it. They loved it. It was amazing. So that was like my first foray into, you know, performing post-college. And then I found out that the comedy connection in Boston, um, which was like the premier comedy club in Boston, was having an open mic night. And I went and I performed there. And again, the audience was really laughing. And I remember the host was like, If he just learns to breathe, he'll be fine (laughs) because I was just like going, 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 going. I was so nervous, but it was so much fun. And, um, you know, I always had a day job on the side of trying to make it in the entertainment world or what I felt like I was trying to make in the entertainment world. Yeah. And I just remember I did that show on a weekend and then that Monday. People in the office were starting to talk about how funny I was. So before a team meeting would start, they asked me to come do like five minutes of comedy to help just like break the ice. Wow! And so I started to do that. And then the company closed down and I decided to move back to New York. And I started really working in theater again. And I did comedy probably for six or seven years in New York at all the various comedy clubs. I I never got above the bringer level, which is where you have to bring people in order to perform. And, you know, it got to a point where I had to concentrate more on making sure I got the certain number of people required to perform than being able to work on material. And when it got to that point, I was like, this just isn't worth it. So I always say that I stopped stand up comedy and decided to sit down. <laughs>
1: And I think one of the things you mentioned when you were talking to Linda was that you were doing comedy like once a month and that you felt like you probably needed to figure out how to do it more frequently, but it was not calling you in that way, right? I didn't have that.
0: Yes, I did need to do it more frequently. I needed to go to those open mics, but so many of those open mics were, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night, one in the morning. And at that time in my life, I lived on Long Island, which was about a, a half hour train ride outside the city. I didn't want to first take the train back at that hour. I would maybe then have gotten one or two hours of sleep because I had to then get up and commute back in for my day job. So, And
1: were you working, is that when you were working in group sales for the new Victory Theater? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yes. I was working in group sales for theater. And that's really where I, I got my deep love of Broadway. I mean, growing up, my parents were great. I mean, they're great for a lot of reasons, but but they did take <laughs> us, I would say maybe once a year, may, maybe twice a year, but I definitely remember once a year we were very lucky to be able to go to a Broadway show. So I was introduced to theater at a young age and I loved it, but really getting to know the intricacies of the theater didn't happen until I started working in group sales because my coworker who I worked with in the group sales department, I mean, knew everything about theater, knew who everybody was she was telling me like this person had an amazing voice this person oh my god they're so good they've been in and would rattle off all the credits and that's where I really got into the like knowing who everybody was and so fast forward to after I stopped comedy I still wanted to entertain people but I didn't know how to do it I didn't know what to do so um at that time I was working at a Broadway ad agency and I was talking to one of my coworkers, and she was And I was saying, you know, I want to interview people. I was reading all these interviews on the different theater websites. And she's like, why don't you start a blog? And this was around 2008. There were like a few website platforms like WordPress, Blogger, and something else. Yeah. And then my other friend that I worked with, she really helped me with the tech aspect because she's like super amazing social media, you know, superhero. And she help me build my site and all of that.
1: And you started off doing written interviews, right?
0: Y- yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. So my first few years I did um print interviews where I would email somebody questions, they would write their answers back to me, I would post it with a few pictures and uh, that would be the interview. And Ooh. then
1: Can I ju- can I interrupt you? You sure can. Cuz when you said pictures it made me think of it made me think of young younger Adam, or, or tell me when this happened, when you started going to the stage door and taking your camera with you and taking photos at the stage door with people. I need people to know about that. I just, I love oh that God. part of your story. Um,
0: I mean, the, the very first time I remember it trying to happen was when my mom and I went to see the 1994 revival of Grease on Broadway. Rosie O'Donnell was in the show. Yeah. And I remember we were trying to find the stage door afterwards and we couldn't I was gonna have her sign the um during the show they sell a like a hardbound book with production photos oh as well so I was gonna have her sign one of them but we couldn't find the stage door so but that was like my first true memory of trying to go to a stage door but when I moved back to New York in 2001 I was working for the New Victory Theater which was New York's premier children's theater Mm -hmm. and I was working in the box office and my friend she was the one who really got me into waiting at the stage door because at that time Rocky Horror on Broadway was there and she was like, let's go see it. And Raul Esparza was in it, who I mean, today everybody knows him from Law and Order SVU. Um, Daphne Rubin Vega, who was just in uh Lin-Manuel Miranda's in the Heights. She was yeah. everyone should know her as Mimi from Rent. She was in there. Wow. Um Alice Ripley, who's a big Broadway name she was in that show I mean there was just a lot of people in that show so we went to see it and then she was like we have to wait after and say hello to the actors and okay so I did and it was so exciting and we actually went to see that show several times because they had a lot of um cast changes and they were bringing in some people and um I mean Dick Cavett was in that show for some time he played the, really? the um wow. the narrator yeah
1: wow
0: and then I would just basically, as I went to shows with her, we would do that. And then I would start doing that on my own. And I would be there, yeah, with my camera. And I would always, I would never just take a picture. I would always ask the, the actor if I could take a picture with them. And um, they would always say yes. So it was like very exciting to, to take all these pictures with everybody and meet them. And, and I, I met a lot of great stars and celebrities throughout the years.
1: One of the things that I love about what you did was you you talked about having, you know, you would get those pictures and it was back when it was on film, right? Mm -hmm. yeah Days of film. And I loved when you talked about this on Linda's thing that you, you know, you would take it and get it developed and they always gave you two prints, right? And then you would send a print as a thank you to the person who had taken the time to take, which just to, to me is just such a sweet, sweet gesture. Um, And that came around for you when you started to do interviews, right? Like people would start to remember you because you had been kind enough to send them a thank you with a photo.
0: Yes. So that's how it sort of all comes 360 is that when I started to um, email people to, to be on my, at the time I called it my blog, but on my website for interviews, I had specifically started with the people that I had met all those years ago that I took pictures with and gave pictures to um, and because I felt like um, also at that time Facebook was becoming more mainstream. It wasn't only on college campuses and um, I always I always say that I am old enough to to have been gone to college when Facebook was not prevalence so um but at that time it was becoming more mainstream and I was like well let me write them through Facebook because I felt even if they didn't remember my name they would remember my face and Mm, so I was very strategic in who I wrote and I would write and said we met at this show whenever it was and now I've started this blog where I'm asking people, the everyday questions, would you be be interested in being part of it? And they would write back and say, yes. And then I would send the questions. They would send their answers back. I would get them typed up. And that's sort of how it started. And then I started contacting the press reps of the various Broadway shows asking if I could get interviews with certain people. And they started saying yes. And it kind of like snowballed from there. And there was a point where, um, you know, people were starting to notice my interviews. And then I had press reps emailing me saying, would you be interested in email, in interviewing my clients? So it was nice when those tables turned, cause I was like, oh, people are taking notice. And you know, I have gotten to a point now because I'm trying to work on some other projects where like I can only take on a certain number of new interviews at a time. Mm-hmm. So I do sometimes have to turn some interviews down but to even be in a position where i have that that option is I, I you know when i first started doing this i never thought i would get there so i
1: bet i bet and i mean you've morphed the whole thing from the blog and the online to uh I know you did video for a while and then that needed to change because the guy who was doing your videos ended oh up Oh my god. Oh. oh, it was
0: terrible. I had this um, oh my god. So yeah, I first started I would say maybe 5 years into my my interviewing I I moved into video really when when the smartphone came out and was the second or third model was released when the camera and recording were just as good as, you know, one of those high tech cameras. That's when I started moving into video. And then I wanted to step things up. And I hired a cameraman. My first interview that we did with him, or one of my first, we did a video interview with Annie Golden, who was on Orange is the New Black on Netflix. And I said to him, I was like, do you want me to send you the the notes of what I want to keep, what I want to get rid of? And he's like, why don't I just edit something and send it to you? And if you have any adjustments, you can let me know. We've probably filmed for like a half hour. He was able to edit it down to like five minutes. And I was like, this is amazing. And then from there, I just entrusted him with everything. And he was great. And we worked together for so long. And then one day he came to me to to say, and, and like, I'm thrilled for him that he was able to you know that he, why he had to leave but he was like I'm I'm getting a lot more work and you know of course these other projects were paying much more than what I was yeah, able to afford yeah. and, so, and that's when you
1: pivoted over to doing podcasting right yes yes it's amazing isn't it I love how podcasting allows us to do our own thing I mean you can hire an editor but you can it's just like as 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 self-reliant as you wanna be, you can be in podcasting. It's a very accessible entry point into doing that. So yes. what a great idea to pivot over and still keep that live feeling of conversation yes. instead of the the back and forth via email.
0: Yeah. And I loved also with the with the podcasting when I first started it was that. I didn't have to do, I didn't have to worry about the camera angle and, you know, are we both in the picture, you mm, know, mm-hmm. and there were so many elements that I was able to take out. And I was just like with my microphone, you know, I was able to just do the interview and then, you know, podcasting, there was a learning curve there. You know, the, the yeah. first microphone that I was using that I plugged into my phone to start my podcasting, you know, I learned that when I was talking you know, sometimes my guests would say something and I didn't have the microphone pointed right at them. So you couldn't hear them as clearly.
1: Did you ever Did you ever switch from doing the in-person to doing them over some sort of a video platform or something so like that? I started podcasting
0: in 2019 mm-hmm. and I first upgraded to more of a professional recorder as opposed to using my smartphone. And with the professional recorder, I then purchased two microphones. So I could hold one and my guest could hold one. So I did that for a few years. And then when the pandemic hit and we were in lockdown, that's when I moved to like everybody else. That's when I moved to the virtual recording.
1: So I have a question for you, Adam. On your website, I was looking at some stuff and, and it looked like, you know, some live events that are on a couple of the videos that are on that front page. Oh. And it looks like you've done some red carpet interview style stuff as well. So all this is kind of morphed. And I'm thinking about, it's so cool. Like, I'm thinking about young Adam, you know, as this, this like, you know, this kid that really loved entertainment, right? And then, and, and finding your way and and going into standup comedy, my gosh, nothing gives me the heebie-jeebies more than the idea of doing standup comedy. This path that you've been on that has led you here. It's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because I can see the building blocks that all went into making you good at what you do. Like you're being part of that activities committee on your college campus gave mm. you that first experience of, you know, talking to people who have some fame or have some notoriety and getting to know them as people, you know, and, and seeing what an event looks like and, I mean all of that must play into being the really excellent MC that you are. I mean you're the clubhouse manager for the My Sexy Business team and I watch the way you juggle a bajillion things like chats that are going on in the background with still hosting the room and all the things that you do. And and your experience in radio must play into all this and the programming. So I guess that takes me to to now you are taking on some new things in your life, mm-hmm. right? You've done over 1,500 interviews,
0: 1,500.
1: Yes. yes, That's just amazing. And 14 years of experience in doing this and learning how to work with the press people for the more famous people and make connections and develop relationships with them mm-hmm. And now you're taking all that experience and starting to teach other people who might be starting off with podcasts or shows and want to interview guests, and they might have dream guests that they want to get. And you're starting to help people learn how to write a pitch letter and what that process could be. And man, yes,
0: yes, I, I am. It's it's so um. I mean, it's so amazing to me. You know, when I think back to to young Adam, I, I, I realized somewhere along these 14 years that, you know what, I am living my childhood dream of working in the entertainment business. And it's in a completely different way than I had imagined. Um, but I feel like this is what I was meant to do. And I feel also like I'm working, I'm doing it, the way I should be doing, because if if I was an actor or a singer, um, I don't know necessarily that I would have met half of the people that I got to meet. So I feel you like might not I got have ever into-
1: met Olivia Newton John.
0: May not have who so you interviewed.
1: How many times?
0: I got to interview her three times.
1: Oh my gosh! Which so cool! Incredible. And it, I think about too your encyclopedic knowledge of. who's who and what they've done. And I listen to you rattle off names and I'm like, wow, wow, wow. I haven't, you know, some of them I know, some of them I don't. And and you just have all this knowledge at your disposal. It's it's incredible. How'd you come up with the name Call Me, Adam? Where'd that come from?
0: Oh my gosh, I do love this story. (laughs) Um, Okay, so when I first started my website 14 years ago, it started out called A Dumbbell's Quest. And it was a play- on my name, so I I spelled it A-D-A-U-M-B-Q-U-E-S-T, A Dumbbell's Quest. And it came, the name came to me because I was like, you know what, I'm just like a stupid person looking for answers, so there's A Dumbbell's Quest. So I had that name for the first uh, several years, I don't remember exactly how many, but the first several years, and you know, nobody, remember it nobody could pronounce it nobody could spell it and i was hard pressed on keeping i was like you know what i don't care people will learn it and at that time i i had the joke that um you know if people can learn mariska Hargate's name you know from svu (laughs) then they can learn a dumbbells quest and then it just got to a point where i was like i i I got it I, i i forgot what the light bulb moment was that i got that nobody could pronounce it remember it spell it and i was talking to another friend of mine who who was in the blogging world for a lot longer and he was like why don't you just why don't you just call your site call me adam he's like this way everybody will know what to call you it's easy to remember and i was like i love it and i changed it and nobody has had a problem remembering although i will say there are i sometimes do get oh how's ask me adam or Or how's um, Adam's quest or something close, but not exactly it. Some mesh
1: of the two. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah,
0: for people who were with me from the beginning, there is that little like, oh, what is it? But for anybody else who only knew me as Call Me Adam, um, they haven't forgotten it. They remember it. And I also try to use Call Me Adam like as a personality a little bit. I mean, for the longest time, I would, introduce myself. Hey, it's call me. I mean, I still do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love your theme music, by the way. So, so fun. Oh my God. My friend, I have to give him a shout
0: out. My friend, Bobby Cronin wrote that theme song for me specifically. And and Adam,
1: because I, because I know you will, I'm going to ask you to sing it.
0: Oh my God. It's so much better with Bobby singing it and with the music and everything, but I I could do it for you if you would like.
1: I knew you would if I asked you to.
0: (laughs) You want me to do it right now? Yes, I do. Okay. (laughs) Hey, everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey, everybody, it's Adam. Wonder who he'll interview. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for. He happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him. Adam lives for the business of show. Call me Adam.com.
1: Call <laughs> me
0: And he. It was, I loved collaborating with him on the song. I, 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 first of all, it's got that show
1: tunes feel. I mean, I, yes. I, I
0: love it. It's so great. It's so perfect I, for you. I gave him example. Thank you. Thank you. I gave him examples of like theme songs that I liked. Um And he, you know, listened to them and, and figured it out. And you know what he knew about me, because we had been friends for a few years already. Um And he he came up with it. He sent it to me. And I was like, yes, this is absolutely amazing.
1: Oh, my gosh. So I'm looking at the time, Adam, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, how does this time go by? <laughs> there, There's a really there's a question that I really want to ask you that is going to tie back in to to getting older and all that. It's the entrepreneurial journey that you're on now. It's starting to do this workshop. You're taking on a whole new whole new journey to be yeah. an entrepreneur. I mean it's one thing to have the interview show right and and all that. Um I guess what I'm wondering is what are you learning about yourself now in your in your mid to late 40s I'll say, right? Yeah. Really starting to take on and own the idea of being an entrepreneur.
0: I mean I'm definitely learning about just taking control of really how I want my life to be. I spent so many years in corporate America and I loved it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was fortunate at the places that I worked at, but it was always working for somebody else. And I really always had that desire to work for myself. And it just shows me like my resilience. I mean, being an entrepreneur is not an easy journey and you don't make a million dollars by the first weekend, you know, figuring out my messaging, figuring out how to communicate my message to everybody. It has taken, I mean, I'm at the start of my second year or third year of this journey, and, you know, I'm still refining. It's an ever-evolving journey, and you have to be open to learning and open to feedback. And, you know, not everybody is going gonna, is gonna to like what you are offering, what you have to say. But I got to a point where I just felt like it's time to impart all this knowledge to other people that, you know, maybe want to get into this, maybe struggling who are in it. And, you know, if I can offer any advice or insight into you know, ways for them to advance, you know, that's why I, I'm creating this workshop as like a first step into helping anybody who wants that. That assistance, so
1: yeah, yeah, and it's so timely. I mean, podcasts are just exploding, and it's a skill to approach somebody. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure you think back to those first people you approached and how nerve wracking that was. I know for me, I was like, you know, let me ask some of the people I know first and see if you know. And then I did get brave and I started, you know, asking people and. I tell you, every time somebody would say yes, I'd be like, what? They said yes. Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's how I started out, too. I started out asking my friends. And then as I got a few of my friends interviewed, then I started approaching some of the people that I had met throughout the years that I took pictures with. But Mm -hmm. I mean, my first tip to, to anybody starting this journey is ask your friends, start with your friends. Because that will give you that gets you you know comfortable with asking it gets you comfortable talking to somebody you know and then and then you also have a few episodes under your belt that you can then say to somebody else oh I'd like to interview you you know here are some people I've interviewed some of the more famous people they want to know that they're going to talk to somebody um, with experience and that that they're not going to you know be uncomfortable or get you know steamrolled or whatever the term you would say is, you know, I I don't, I don't, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind to everybody. I'm not the kind of person that's going to really ask the gossipy questions for as much as sometimes I want to. And if I do go there, I I try to find a tactful way of getting the information. Um, well, you're
1: essentially a kind person, so I can totally see how that happens. So, um, I hate to even end talking to you, I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you who you're, uh, I already know the answer, <laughs> who, who is the dream guest that you still haven't been able to get?
0: My dream guest that I want to say yes is Dolly Parton.
1: So I just want everybody to hear that. And anybody who wants to join in the campaign to get Dolly Parton to come on to to be interviewed by Adam, join in, uh, you know, you can follow Adam on social media and we occasionally all send Dolly Parton messages to to (laughs) let him interview her because that needs to happen for sure. So Adam, where can people find you if they want to hear your podcast, see your interviews? What are the ways people can get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, definitely. You can uh, go to my website, callmeadam.com to check out all my interviews, listen to my podcast. Um, It would be best to follow me on social media to get more information on my workshop. And that is callmeadamnyc. I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook um those would be the places to find me right now
1: fantastic adam thank you so much for being here and it was just always fun to talk to you i'm glad i had you to myself for a little bit today
0: oh well thank you for having me it was great i loved being on your podcast late bloomer living and i am just thrilled that we are connected and that we got this time together
1: me too well there you have it If you'd like to know more about Adam, I will have links in the show notes where you can connect with him and visit the Call Me Adam website. Just go to latebloomerliving.com and look for episode 135. I'll also have more information for you there about Groundwork Brigade. So if you want a chance to get a free month of access to the group, just email me and I'll send you the link where you can sign up. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.